Uh, there are symbols that provide people a real sense of who they are. Uh, many years ago, I was on the high school basketball team, and uh, in between my junior and senior year, uh, we had uh, the captain of our basketball team uh, driving uh, down the highway, fell asleep at the wheel, crashed, was, was killed instantly. And it was one of those moments as a basketball team and uh, we had been around each other. This was a, a, a senior player. We were all going to be seniors together and and, and, it, and it shook us, and yet in a strange sort of way, it brought us together. And so that year on our jerseys, we, uh, we took out some, uh, some electrical tape, uh, black electrical tape, and we, just, we wrapped a little piece around our jersey just to remind us about His presence or His absence. And that symbol, that that. that uh, that little piece of, of black tape just served as a reminder for us about who we were as a team, about what our goals really were. Sometimes symbols act like uh, powerful tools to be able to help us recognize who we are. I mean, this happens in everyday life, right? I mean, you think about flags, right? Flags of countries, maybe. Uh, around the Olympics. I mean, I, anybody excited about the Olympics coming up? 2016? You know, do you sit in front of the TV or am I the only one going, USA, USA? Right? Uh, but, but we have flags and we'll wave them. Sometimes you'll, you'll see them on car windows, right? If you're a big fan of a certain team and and, and, and you'll, you'll, you'll love the team so much that, that you'll put that little flag on your car window so that as you drive down the highway, everybody knows with whom you identify, right? We use symbols to help, help us recognize who we are and for others to recognize who we are. Symbols can be powerful tools. In fact, in, in ancient times, with ancient Christians... There were, uh, there were symbols that identified who they were. Uh, several years ago, I had the opportunity uh, to go to Greece and Turkey. And, and there we were in the city of Ephesus. And, and as we walked in, as we were noticing everything that was around us, uh, we recognized this wheel. Uh, it, was a, it was basically a circle put in some sandstone with, a, with an asterisk in, inside of it. And we found out later that this was an early Christian symbol and it was a, a deep theological identifier for Christians. They called it the ichthus wheel. It was just an identifier to say that we believe in Jesus, God, Son, Savior. And it became an identifier for people to say this is who I am. This is whom I identify myself with. And later on, uh, of course, you know, uh, many of us have identified ourselves with the cross and the, and the empty tomb, with the resurrection. And every week, for centuries upon centuries upon centuries, we have identified ourselves with bread and cup. And consistently, we have said this is who we are. Sometimes. Symbols have a powerful way of identifying who
who we are and, in fact, who we ought to be. How many of you have a little fish on the back of your car? Some of you. You'll, you'll go around, you'll see them. People will put little fish. And some people have said that that, that little fish exists because, you know, Jesus, like, you know, fed the 5,000 with just a few fish or... Or that you know uh, there was a miraculous catch of fish, but really the story is uh, that that when Jesus called himself the Alpha and the Omega, when John writes and said he is the Alpha, uh, the Alpha in the Greek alphabet looks honestly like a little fish, and so it became this symbol, this identifier of who Christians are. We have symbols to identify who we are. And it's not just a a creation of something imaginative or it's not a snazzy marketing campaign. It's the celebration of something real. It's a celebration of what's actual. The, the, The symbols are reminders of who we really are. Aren't they? I am really an American. I am really a Christian. I am really a teammate. You know, I'm super excited about this series that we're in, New. I mean, last week we said, hey, do you want a new me? Then you need a new boss. If you want a new me, you need a new boss. And, and, and this morning, uh, we're saying not only do we need a new me, but we need a new us. We need a new people. We need a new church. We need a new community. And what we're saying when we're talking about new is that we're signing up to... To, to enact the sorts of changes that God asks of us in order to be made new. And that's what you're signing up for. When you walked in the door this morning, uh, you signed up. You didn't know that, but there was a little scanner at the door, so all of you were scanned in. You signed up to say, I am signing up. I am signing up to the kinds of changes that God would enact in my life for me to be made new. If you want to be a part of this community, we want to be made new together. Now, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, about midway through the New Testament, and Paul is going to say some some really extraordinary hard things. Things that... Well, not because they're they're difficult to understand, but because uh, the situations that Paul is talking about are difficult. I mean, he opens up the chapter and he says, "Hey, there's this there's this guy and and he's he's having an affair with his his father's wife. This is bad." And he said, "Not only is that happening, but the church is not doing something about it. In fact, it seems like they might be proud of it." Later on, uh, he begins to talk about brothers within the church who are suing one another. That there's such a lack of reconcile within the church uh, that they're actually suing one another in a court outside the church. And he begins to name sin. So there's a sin issue going on, and and, and Paul wants to make mention of it. And I want to highlight what he says. Look at verse 6 in chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians. He said, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? little yeast, whole batch of dough. Get rid of the old yeast that you might be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. Now, now I, want, I want to highlight this. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. 
Christ, our, sacri- our, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of the malice and the wickedness, but with bread without yeast, the bread of purity and truth. What does it take to be a new us? That seems to be the question that we're asking. How is it that we become a new us? And I, I, want to, I just want to, to, to make mention of what I think Paul makes mention of here. And leading us to the sorts of changes that we need to, to make in order for Whiting Christian Church to be made new, Paul shows us the Passover. It's right there, right in the center, uh, the heartbeat of what he's going to say. He says, hey, we need to be a new batch. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he says, hey, it, for Christ is our, our Passover lamb. Now, Let's talk a little bit about the Passover. Now, there's two key elements to the Passover. One is the lamb. Uh, Passover is a Jewish celebration. And it was all enacted uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. You go back to the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 11, Exodus chapter 12, and and we have the Passover. You see, uh, Israel has been enslaved for hundreds of years. And finally, God sends His messenger Moses to release His people, and Moses goes to Pharaoh, and there's like this square off. And Moses looks at Pharaoh and says, hey, let my people go and worship God. And Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let you. And he comes back again, no, no, you need to let my people go so that they might worship God. And Pharaoh says, No. And so God, uh, acting on behalf of His people, uh, begins to send these plagues. Are you all familiar with this story? And He begins to send the plagues one after another, and and Pharaoh, uh, just his heart becomes hard, and he won't allow God's people to go and worship until the tenth plague. Now what's interesting about the tenth plague is that it, it applied It applied equally to the Egyptians and to the Jews. And God said, here's what I want you to do. You see, I am going to send an angel of death and all of the firstborn will die. But I will protect you if you do this. And the first Passover began. And he said, I want you to take a lamb. It has to be clean and spotless. And I want you to take the blood from the lamb, and I want you to, to put it in the trough there by the door and, and put all of the, the blood on the door frame. And this is going to be a protective mark for you. When the angel of death comes, it will pass over the door. You're going to be okay. When he talks about the Passover here, he's going back to something ancient and he's looking to something still to come. Now, now hang with me. The first key... The first key element to the Passover was the lamb. Are y'all hanging with me? The, the second key element was the bread. There was the, the lamb and then there was the bread. Now, the bread couldn't be made with yeast. And it says in the text there in Exodus that it couldn't be made with yeast because when God says, you, you get up and go, you get up and go. You don't finish the commercial. You don't finish the sentence that you're on. You don't finish the game. Uh, You just get up and you go. Why? Because God is the one asking you. And so He said, 
Look, it's time to go. And they didn't have time for the bread to rise, and so they left without having an opportunity to knead the dough. They had to leave with great haste. In fact, it says in the middle portions of Exodus chapter 12 that if you were an Israelite, if you were a Jew and you ate anything made with yeast, that you were to be cut off from the community. Now, why would it be that if you, if you happen to have something with yeast in it, that you would be cut off from the community? This seems rather harsh, don't you think? To banish someone from the community simply because you put something in yeast in it? And here's why. You have these two symbols the lamb and the bread, two key symbols of God's redemptive act for all of Israel. And here's why it was important. Here's why deviating from the plan of either one of these elements would mean being banished from the community. It was because the blood of the lamb and the bread became the identifying symbols that they were now the community of God. That they had been saved from death. And they were set apart in the world. That these two things, the Lamb and the bread, set them apart as people who had been saved from death. Are you all hanging with me so far? So, we have Paul. He's addressing issues of sin But as he addresses issues of sin, he reminds the people about the Passover lamb. And he says that Passover lamb is Christ. Now, I've just told you that the identifying symbol for all of Israel was the Passover. These two things, the lamb and the bread, that this was their identifying redemptive symbols. Now, fast forward to Jesus. Do you want to fast forward to Jesus with me? Fast forward to Jesus. Jesus is with His disciples at the Last Supper. This is happening during the time of Passover. And the question that was to be asked during the time of Passover is what does this ceremony mean? Oftentimes a rabbi or a small child would ask the question, what does this ceremony mean? And the answer was supposed to come from the head of the household. This this Passover, this ceremony, this celebration is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. This is what it was to be. But Jesus changes the answer. Are you all hanging so far? Jesus changes the answer. What does this ceremony mean? Normally it would be answered. This is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. But Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Whoa! Wait a minute. Jesus, don't you understand that the Passover and its elements in particular, that of lamb and blood, are to be the identifying marks of God's redemption for all of Israel? Uh, That they were to be saved? Uh, That they were to be set apart in the world? And Jesus, changing the answer, points to Himself and initiates something new. Do this in remembrance of Me. In a few moments, we're going to take the bread and the cup. And you need to understand that when we take the bread, excuse me, when, when, when we take the bread and when we take the cup, 
We are not just taking juice. We are not just taking bread. We are doing this in remembrance of the one who saved us from death and set us apart for the world. When we take upon these symbols every week, you need to know that these are powerful symbols and reminders of who we are. These symbols remind us who we are. We have been saved from death through sin by Christ and set apart in the world. Are you all with me so far? It's a little heady. I promise we're going to get to the really good stuff in a minute. All right? We have been identified by these two symbols. The bread and the cup. It's who we are. It's our identity. You see, our identity now, as it always has been and always will be for those who are in the church, is Jesus. You see, it's in Him, it's in, it's in Him and through Him that we're transformed, that we're made new. This is who we are. This is our identity. And when we take the bread and the cup, we're pronouncing to everybody that can see us, everybody that knows us, this is who I am. You see, we're not our addictions, we're not our problems, we're not our temptations, we're not our weakest moments, we're not our past experiences, we're not our troubles, we're not sinners but saints. We are new, and we're made new in Christ. Isn't that good news? That's who we are. And so when Paul, dealing with sin issues, comes and mentions the Passover and the Passover lamb in Christ, he is trying to get us to come back to, hey, don't you know who you are? Uh, Don't you recognize uh, who you belong to? You've been made new in Christ. That's who you are. And you need to begin to live that out. You see, when we claim to live under the new regime of Christ. When we claim that we live in His kingdom, we're not living under any other kingdom. If we claim that we're living for what is new, we can't live to what is old anymore. You see, the problem is not that we don't know that we're not made new in Christ. We are made new because of Christ and His sacrifice. The problem is when the church as a whole, the church community begins to identify, be identified because of sin instead of because of its Savior. Are you all hanging with me so far? We are made new with Christ because of Christ, but when we forget our identity in Him, our identity is somewhere else. And the problem that Paul is raising, the reason he's asking the community of Christ to be made new, the reason he says you need to be a new batch is because the church had begun to be identified more by sin than by the Savior. Church, who do you belong to? What is your identity? I want you to look Verse 12 and 13. Paul says some really extraordinary things at the end of this chapter. He says, Of what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not the judge of those inside? God's going to judge those outside. He says, Expel the wicked man from among you. 
Uh, you and I have to recognize something uh, really key uh, about the church. And that is this. Sin exists and lives and breathes and has its being in societies where God is no longer in charge. But God's in charge here. God's in charge in this community. He belongs here. It may not be our job to do anything about the sin that exists out there, but it is our job to do something about the sin that exists here in this community. We have to be made new. We have to be reminded of where our identity lies. This last week, I was reminded that the Food and Drug Administration has this little pamphlet. And it's called the Food Defect Action Level Pamphlet. The Food Defect Action Level Pamphlet is all about the food that you and I eat on a regular basis and the number of defects that are allowed in the food that you and I eat. Are you ready? All-purpose flour. The Food and Drug Administration have said it is okay in a half a cup of flour for there to be up to evidence of 75 insect parts. I didn't say it had 75 insect parts. I just meant that it's okay for human consumption if it does have 75 human uh, uh, insect parts. Anybody eat peanut butter? Peanut butter? 16 ounces of peanut butter can have up to 175 different insect parts. I didn't say it had 175 insect parts, only that it's acceptable for human consumption if it has 175 insect parts. It probably will brighten your day to know that you can have up to five hairs in that peanut butter of animal variety, and it's okay with the Food and Drug Administration. That's okay, isn't it? The things that we eat... The things that we consume, I probably shouldn't tell you about the number of maggots that are, are, uh, are acceptable to the Food and Drug Administration to be found in your can of mushrooms. Here's what I want you to understand. We're going to go home... We're going to look differently at our peanut butter jar. We're going to look real hard at that next cup of sugar and flour that we pour out to bake with. And we're going to say it is not acceptable for there to be insect parts in my flour. Church, we cannot say of any small thing. We cannot say that it is okay for sin to reside in the people who are the church. Are you with me? It's not acceptable. 
It's every bit as grotesque as those things that may be lurking in the food that you eat. And Paul is addressing these issues of sin. He's saying, church, it's not who you are. That's not your identity. You remember the Passover lamb. You remember the bread and the cup. That's who you are. This is the redemptive moment of all those who have said, I have been saved from sin. That's who you are. That's your identity. And I want you to notice he uses another image to try and bring us back around. Look at verses 6 and 7 in chapter 5. He says, your boasting isn't good. Now, don't you know that a little works through the whole? Just a little bit. Oh, it's just a little sin. It's just a little gossip. It's just a little greed. It's just a little discontent. It's just a little flirt. We can say that, can't we? It's just a little. It's just a little lie. And yet what Paul is saying is so profound. No, no, no. No. It's not a little. Because a little works through it all. And if we let it go, church, if we let it go in this community and we refuse to make the kinds of changes that God is asking us to make in order to be made new, He's saying you're no longer identified with Me. You're identified with the sin. When He says, uh, become a new batch, here's what He was saying. You see, in the ancient days, uh, what you would do is when making your bread, you'd put the yeast in, and I don't know how many insect parts that yeast had in it, okay? In, and, and you'd like knead the dough. I've never really kneaded dough. Uh, once in a while, I, I think I did cinnamon rolls, so I hope I'm doing this right. But you'd do that, and you'd kind of fold it over, and you'd punch it, and you know, do those kinds of things. And it would be a lot, right? It'd be enough for the week is generally what you would do. So you'd make this big big batch of bread, and you put the yeast in. And then what you would do in order to prepare for next week is you would tear off a chunk, you'd wrap it up, and you'd save that for what's coming up. And so the next week, you could just take that dough with the yeast that was already in it, and you could work it into the next dough. All right? And then that week, you'd tear it off, and and you'd save it, and, and the next week, you'd you do the same thing over, over and over again, over and over now. Now, here's the problem. If there is a defect, if there's dirt or disease in one, now it becomes dirt and disease in all. And Paul is trying to tell us, he's trying to tell the church, stop the cycle. You need a new batch. Don't just take the same old stuff and just begin to fold it over into every, everybody else's relationship because that little bit of yeast is going to go a long ways. That little bit of sin, that little jealousy, that little envy, that little lack of reconciliation, it's going to go a long ways. Church, church, sin doesn't belong. If you call yourself, if you claim that you are a follower of Jesus, know 
that you have been saved by grace through faith. But you need to be made new because sin isn't who you are. We can't be dealing with divorce in the church. We have other things to be dealing with. You recognize, don't you, that it, that it impacts the testimony that we have for others who, who we want to come to know who Jesus is, right? And yet, if, if Christians are, being divor- are divorcing at the same rate as everybody else, then what's the need? Why should they come? If Christians are having abortions at the same rate as everybody else, then where's the need? Where's the righteous community? You understand what I'm saying? We have to be made new. Paul says we have to have a new batch. Now, now how is it that we do this? How is it that we become a new us? It's uncomfortable. Are you ready? If you want a new us, you have to have a new sense of accountability. If you want a new us, you have to have a new sense of accountability. Uh, Around here, we talk about uh, growing people in relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do. It's our mission. It's where we want to focus. We want to say of you uh, who have been with Christ a long time, how is it that we can take you another step? Uh, For you uh, who hasn't known Christ yet, how can we help you into that relationship? Uh, We want that. This is what we want to do. This is part of being the church here at Whiting. And part of how we do that, we, we have sat around here for, for a while. We want to invite, we want to share, and we want to serve. Now, this is that share portion. You see the share. It's not just kicking back with a cup of coffee, saying, hey, how about them Hawkeyes? Right? It's not just saying, hey, how was work today? Hope your job's going well. When we talk about sharing, what we're talking about is is allowing ourselves to trust. To be transparent with other people who desire this same growing relationship with Jesus. And we invite them in we allow them access. And we allow them to keep us accountable. Church, if we want a new us, we need new accountability. To allow others to share with us. You know, Mike, I think your attitude really It stinks. You know that thing that you do about the jealousy, about that stuff that you don't have? And in relationship, we open ourselves up for correction so that God will have the glory and we will be made new. We do that in small groups where we get together and we invite people uh, to come to be in relationship with one another closely enough 
so that they can begin to say, you know, I've noticed something's different in you. You want to talk about that? We do this on Thursdays with Celebrate Recovery where there's people dealing with a whole variety of issues and they come and, and they pour themselves out to one another and they say, you know what? I'm struggling. Church. We want to grow in relationship with Jesus. We want to be made new. We want a new me and a new us. We have to have new accountability. Paul says, don't worry about the sin out there. God's going to take care of it. But we have a responsibility for the sin here. And we can come to one another in love and kindness and gentleness and say to one another, hey, let's work on being new. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank You for Your goodness. And I pray, Father, from the bottom of my heart, that we will be a people identified mostly with You. And that we will look to the symbols. We will look to the symbols that You have given us and say, I am identifying as a follower of Jesus. Father, Your death and resurrection defines us. And we are being made new in You. Father, I pray for those within ear reach of my voice that as these elements are passed, Father, that You will, that you will instruct each heart and each mind to make their lives open to whatever changes You are asking them to make. And that we will take this bread and take this cup recognizing what it is that You have done for us. 